Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Our guest this morning is Wendy Jufree, President and Principal Consultant with Wendy Ellen Incorporated and co-author of the book, The Only HR Best Practice You'll Ever Need. Wendy is an HR professional with 30 years of experience and is here to help leaders learn a practical approach to working with their people. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Morning, David. Good morning. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Tara. Uh, Pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. You know, in the last two decades, maybe for sure one, but maybe even two, we saw a shift in the workplace uh, from, you know, putting all attention on production, uh, the service or the product to the employees. And, you know, you've been in this industry for many, many years. Uh, You started when you were 10 years old. And uh, from your experience and companies you work with or companies you follow, uh, how how does this shift help or didn't help? you know, production, bottom line, retention? Well, I think companies have had to make that shift because they're forecasting the shortage of workers, right? So it's going to be, it has been, and well, coming out of this whole situation, I don't even understand the labor market. Where is everybody? But it's more (laughs) important now to put that focus on people because you need to get people in your door and you need to keep them because there's such a labor shortage in pretty much every area that, that, I can see. So I think that shift has been gradual, just looking at the demographics and, you know, you got your baby boomers that have hung on, hung on, and now they're exiting the workforce in droves. So, yeah. But how did it impact the the company's bottom line or or success? Um, Well, I would have to say it would improve success only because your products, your production, your your, um, return on investment for your investors is only going to be as good as the people putting out that product, right? And you turn over, everybody knows the turnover is a huge cost. Everything. And it's, it's not, it's at all levels. Of course, as more senior you go, the higher the cost of that is. But I think putting the focus on people can only help the bottom line. And so you, you you said earlier about retention mm-hmm. is one of the really important things that we have to focus on. So when you're consulting with people, uh, leaders, companies about how to retain their people, how do we keep our best people? How do you guide someone through that? Well, it is tough. I think keeping your best people, uh, one of the keys is letting them know they're your best people. A lot of uh, mm-hmm. leaders don't tell their best people that They want to invest in them. They want to show them their career path. So I think that's number one is letting people know that, right? So retention, it's, it's not about money. It's about culture. It's about, I mean, now hybrid is huge. So it's going to be about working with that employee's lifestyle. And I know that sounds, it sounds a bit trite in a way with, you know, for an employer, but coming out of COVID, especially people have really re-examined their lifestyle. So the whole retention is going to be about the work experience and the work-life integration, all those sort of buzzwords that are around there, but, but they're true. It's how does your work day integrate with your work or with your life? What do you say to leaders who, who are saying, you know what, I, my workforce needs to be in the office because that's how we collaborate and I think we're more productive and the studies are now showing that, you know, I, I hear these things too. So what, what do you say to leaders who have that approach? I 100% agree with them. 
Mm. So I think, you know, I think people have to be in the office. They have to be in the office together. I think teams have to be together, but maybe not five days a week. So I think it's important to pull teams together two or three days a week. And I think that's where a lot of the companies are going. Big companies, small companies, is they're saying, okay, let's say Monday, Wednesday, you have the option to work from home. Not mandatory, but you but we have in office hours Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or or some some iteration of that. But I a hundred percent agree. It's very difficult. And I've seen it onboarding people into virtual worlds, unless your business has started like that from the beginning. And that's how you've grown your business because that becomes your culture, but it's tough. So I agree, mm-hmm. but that hybrid model, it's right up there on uh, uh, people that are searching for a job. So usually first or second question we get. And um, I, want to, I want to go back to the retention and, and you said that it's not about money and allow me to disagree. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason I say it is I see today that companies uh, try to recruit my p- people that work with me and they just recruited someone that has zero experience and they're paying her probably about 20% more than I was able to pay. And people leave and it's a sweatshop where she moved compared to the hybrid we gave here. And I still think that this, if, if five years ago you, we used to say that money is number four or five on the list, I think now it's number one. Well, she may be back. You never know. <laughs> I mean, and that's what happens, right? The money is the enticer. Sure. Uh, it, I can't disagree with that. Money I, I, is not going to keep someone there necessarily. And there'll be someone maybe knocking on that door, offering that same person another few few more thousand bucks. And that's going to be, I think, our situation again for a while. It was a number of years ago. And then, of course, the market cooled off. But um, that may recruit them. It's not necessarily going to retain them. That's the difference, I think. Part of the focus uh, in your book is that you say that leaders often overcomplicate processes to work with their people. (laughs) David's laughing. Are you one of those leaders, David? You know I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Overcomplicating things? No, he cuts right to the chase. But but can you elaborate on that? How so? Well, I think we're in a world where everybody's so worried about having everything in writing, everything signed off, uh, you know, all your T's crossed and your I's dotted, as opposed to walking down two offices and having a conversation. People have lost that ability to have a conversation. And I think, <clears throat> pardon me, things get straightened out, things get cleared up easier with a conversation mm-hmm. than 5,000 emails going back and forth, or, you know, a letter for this, a letter for that. Go have a conversation and find out, a, you know, about the person, about the situation, I think we've really lost that. And so it, it, it that we always talk about, we still believe in the art of conversation in our firm. Mm-hmm. Go talk to somebody. So many things can get resolved that way. It's interesting because this comes up often with uh, the way that did the different generations communicate. You know, the, a lot of people prefer to communicate through text, even though they're two doors down or they text their, their bosses and their bosses find it disrespectful. And so how do you navigate that in the way that the different generations like to communicate? I think you have to respect it. So, you know, we have clients, we text, we, and we don't discourage communication in that way. It's got to be respectful in it. And I think companies have to hit that head on. And for sure, we've got a generation that pick up the phone and they don't even know what that means really. Like they, well, I can just text. 
I agree, but you can also pick up the phone and have a conversation or walk down the hall and have a conversation. Yeah. And then it's but, a tone thing too. It, you well, don't misread a no, tone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no facial expression. There's no body language. And oftentimes, especially in texting, it's the speed, right? So there's no, how's your day? It's, yeah. So I'm not against texting. It, I think you have to be respectful of the generation and what they're comfortable with, but I still think there needs to be some good old-fashioned conversation. And you're not talking about Zoom conversation. No, you're I talking eyeball to talking eyeball, eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly. Oh, I don't even like that word at all. <laughs> Zoom, it's become a bad word. Yeah. Get it. Zoom a, fatigue is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen a shift in the last uh, six months since we are open for business in more and more people coming to the office? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look at traffic. They talk about that all the time. But yeah, I mean, now it's more, it's in my world, I've seen it's almost more the expectation that it's a face-to-face meeting as opposed to even three months ago, it was the expectation it was virtual. So yeah, and especially in the recruiting. I mean, a lot of people now, they've realized it's very difficult to recruit. Virtually, even though that is going to be a huge thing because you can recruit anybody from anywhere now, but they miss that sort of chemistry when you're sitting across from somebody, the body language in an interview. Uh, one of your main focuses is on um, M&A, so mergers mm-hmm. and acquisitions and working through uh, the HR component of that. What are What's a, a big mistake that companies make when they're going through an acquisition or a merger with their people? Well, I think um, our experience, and of course, this is why we're brought in, is they forget that there's people involved. It's all about the the purchase agreement, which has people in it, but they actually forget that there are people and they may not really be pleased with the merger or the acquisition, which that's fine. But they also neglect to think sometimes about some of those liabilities that they may be purchasing as far as uh, seniority or you know contractual arrangements, those kinds of things. But it's also in the transition. Uh, you're either, you know, you're amalgamating two cultures or you're going to try and create a whole new one. And I, I think people just forget about the fact that that needs to be taken into consideration. What I saw in my industry, in the real estate industry, is the bear hug. The buyer just gives a bear hug to the people they purchased and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The culture doesn't work. Our guest this morning is Wendy Joffrey, CEO of Wendy Allen Inc. And we have to take a commercial break. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. And we're back with Wendy Jufri, President and Principal Consultant at Wendy Ellen, Inc. Wendy, you know, um, I have 50 colleagues that work with me. And uh, in the f- past five to 10 years, I would say, probably more five, I've seen provincial and federal legislation move from, you know, it's our responsibility, let's put it on the owner's responsibility. And we run, majority of the economy is small and mid-sized businesses. And what have you seen in terms of the impact that those legislations made on small and mid-sized businesses? 
it's been hard. It's been hard to um, staff. It's been hard to sort of maneuver the, well, actually it's been hard to keep up with legislation. Legislation hadn't changed for years. And then over the last, through the, the flips of government, um, the provincial government, they've gone back and forth. So first of all, it's keeping up with legislation and figuring out what you can and can't do. But it does put a lot of onus and hardship on small business, especially around the staffing. And that's things like, you know, uh, unpaid leaves, maternity leave, those kinds of things. It, it's just, it's difficult for employers to hold jobs open for people, to, to give them unpaid time off. And it, it's, um, and also people are looking for paid time off, more paid time off, which is, which is difficult to do. So a lot of the, these leaves are put in place as unpaid leaves, but employees aren't looking for that. They're looking to be compensated for them. And, and how can a small and mid-sized business, you know, when we're busy trying to, you know, make a profit, make a living, make salary, make rents, uh, and, and, you know, we're focused on our industry, and we cannot afford a full HR person working in our shop. How, how can we kind of follow all this? someone like us, <laughs> which is what a lot of companies are doing, right? They're bringing in sort of a fractional or outsourced expertise. So for us, that's exactly, we work with small to mid-sized business to fill that niche um, for some HR expertise and advice. And, 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 you know, there's fractional CFOs, there's all these different expertise that you can take advantage of. And, you know, one of the benefits is, for example, we've worked in just probably around 200 Alberta-based businesses. So you bring that experience of what other companies have done, what's been successful, what hasn't. And especially in that small to mid-sized business, they're all different and people are all different. So you do have to draw upon what you've seen work and what you unfortunately have seen hasn't worked. So, How have you seen the HR function as a whole evolve over the last years? Uh, the, over the last years has been really interesting because everybody thinks, oh, I won't say everybody. A lot of people think HR is easy. It's just people, it's just dealing with people. Hmm. I can do it. I don't need an HR professional. It's when things like temporary layoffs happen or COVID happens or maternity leave happens or disability. When something unusual happens in a workplace, they realize how much they don't know about let, well, legislation, anybody can Google it. It's how do you apply that legislation? How has case law been applied to that legislation? So it's really taking what everybody can get online. It's kind of like Dr. Google and, you know, knowing how it affects real life and real small business. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned earlier that instead of, you know, everything in writing, go and talk with yourself. But as an employer, it seems to me that I have to have a consultant and a lawyer with me on every decision I make when it comes to HR in today's world. There is definitely some things you want to have on paper uh, and a good starting point <laughs> is a good employment agreement. I mean, that's the basis for the relationship right off the bat. And then if you do run into any, you know, oddities such as disability case management, those kinds of things, there's certain things that have to be documented for both people's sake, the employee and the employers. Mm-hmm. So. But it's getting up to a point that everything in today's world has to be documented. I guess. Maybe I try and live a bit naively that way. But you know, I, I know what you're saying. I'm coming from the, the, the situation of being an employer, and I had uh, a complaint by one of my employees uh, to the uh, provincial government that was completely false. But what it created for me, I had to prove that, you know, I don't even have a sister. It's not that 
you know, that she's not here. I don't even have a sister. And it's, it's kind of, it puts the employers in a very, very, um, I would say, corner, in a corner with the back, with our backs to the wall. That's what I feel today. And you do get that. I mean, there's, you know, we often get asked, uh, put something together so it'll keep us out of the legal system or it'll, you know, nobody will turn around and sue us. You can't say that. Like, we can do our best. Everybody can do their best. And, you know, some people will do what they what they want to do. But I think for the most part, if you have a pretty solid agreement to begin with, if you treat people, it's it's really treat people fairly and I think it's so much about the communication. Of course, you get people that are just disgruntled for lots of reasons and invalid reasons a lot of times, right? Or they don't, things don't go their way. That's not a reason to, you know, bring about a lawsuit or so you get people, sure. We're speaking with uh, Wendy Jufrey, president and principal consultant at Wendy Ellen Incorporated. So you say that you, uh, in your bio, read that you, you say that you would like to bring back the human in human resources. So you just touched on that a little bit, but maybe expand on that. Well, I think it is a bit about what I was saying earlier that in the in the M and A business, for example, that people forget that everybody that comes to work has something that's happened in their morning or their day, something that's going on in their family, some history in a work history that they're bringing to, they, they have, it's, they're bringing it to work, whether they think they are or not. Mm-hmm. So it's realizing that everybody's an individual. Of course, you have to have baselines. Of course, you have to have standards, policies, practices. But what we try and, and um, ask is that you still remember that everybody is an individual and there's still stuff going on that you may not know about. So it's, it's, and that's where the conversation comes into play. You don't, you don't get that in an email. You don't get that in a, in an employment agreement. You get that in talking to somebody and creating that relationship. Mm-hmm. Your book. Yes. The only HR best practice you'll ever need. By the way, people can buy it on wendyallenink.ca. Yep. Uh, it's way too cheaper than what I expected it to be. Uh, and uh, what brought you to write a book? Um, I think it's my co-author, Ashley Kaboom, and I always talk about our experiences that we've had and if we could just just sort of talk about those experiences. So we decided that's what we would do. And the name is kind of tongue-in-cheek because we always get asked for best practice. What's the HR best practice around this? And our true philosophy is there isn't one because – you're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. So you have to take sure there's things you have to do, legislative things, all that. But that's where that comes from. It's just best practice in the big corps. Sure, you've got, you know, your 20,000 page policies. I get it. But small business, a little bit different to operate in. So if if we are talking about a big corporation and they've decided to have an in-house HR department and that works for them, it makes sense. Then how do you coach the executives and the HR executive on how HR can become a strategic partner, that they are actually at the executive table representing the humans uh, that work there. How, how do you go about facilitating those conversations? You know what, that, it, that conversation is getting easier and easier as people are realizing that good people are getting harder and harder to find. And also the fact that if you get the right people in the roles and you train them and you you mentor them, they are going to add to your bottom line. So it's, it's, it's understanding the metrics and the return on investment of your human capital that you spent all this money finding mm-hmm. 
that's only going to make your business a better place to be. And that's going to turn into profitable business and happy customers and all the rest. Works right down the line, doesn't it? Happy employees, happy customers, big returns. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have about 90 seconds before we have to conclude. And I have a very tiny question. Inclusion, equality, and diversity. Oh, gee, really tiny. What have you seen in the last two or three years? That it's become very, very important. Um, you know, we actually hadn't come across a lot of that in, in the world that we consult in, but it is now almost every proposal that people have to put out, they have to have uh, information about what their corporation is doing around uh, DEI and, and how they measure it and what their stats are. And at least do they have a statement and, and what's their value statement around that? So we are actually just embarking on a whole program around DEI in our mm-hmm. firm, just because it has become and rightly so, and it's a great thing to do, but a lot of companies don't know where to start. Mm. And so you coach them through that whole process and understanding exactly what it means? What it means and so, and really how to communicate that to your people and how to understand that. Because it's, it's it, yeah, 90s, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And there's consultants, that's all they do. Right. Well, I mean, that's just it. We've, we've, Dave and I had had this conversation before about there's diversity. Great. You can have a diverse workforce, but what about the inclusion? Yeah. Are you including yeah. all of those diverse perspectives? And, and that's probably the hardest part, of course, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. We have learned a lot about the HR, um, well, how, how the evolution of the HR function, that's for sure. Wendy Jufri, President and Principal Consultant at Wendy Allen Incorporated. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. 